I wanted to uh, thank again Paul and Lisa Glazer for opening up their home, especially uh, Mrs. Glazer, so close to Pesach, is not, uh, is not uh, something that uh, is uh, taken lightly. And we, uh, we thank them again for opening up their home for Tyra and made the Zechus of Tyra uh, imbue their tire, uh, entire home with higher levels of Kedusha and Tahara. We spend so much time <coughs> um, on Pesach reliving, re-experiencing uh, Yetzias Mitzrayim, and I believe that that is indicative of the fact that Yetzias Mitzrayim contains uh, within it a critical and crucial message and lesson for us. And what I'd like to do tonight is to discern or perhaps uncover what exactly is precisely that message and the lesson uh, that we are supposed to glean from reenacting, reliving, re-experiencing Yetzias Mitzrayim at the Leil HaSeder. And in order to do that, I think we need to take a, a step back and to examine and to understand what uh, the nature of miracles is as opposed to nature. What, how does that relationship work? And hopefully we'll see that that's really a fundamental machlokas between the Ramam and the Ramban. And then perhaps within that context, if we understand that properly, the nature of miracles in general, we'll try and focus in on what exactly is the lesson specifically, thank you, what exactly is the lesson specifically that we are supposed to learn from the reenacting or re-experiencing the nace uh, specifically of Yitzhiyah's Mitzrayim. So the Pesach tells us in Parashat's Ekev, Tamim Tiyah im Hashem Kecha, that a person should be Tamim with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And specifically on Pesach, this is somewhat of a peculiar or surprising mitzvah, that we should be Tamim with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because as we know, in the uh, Haggadah, we have the uh, Arba Bonim, we have the four sons, the Chacham, the Rasha, the Tam, and the Sheinu Yedei Elisha, and the Tam is usually translated as the simple son. I remember growing up, we always had these Haggadahs with uh, pictures in it of the different uh, four sons, and the Chacham always looks like he's uh, someone, you know, you want to emulate, he's cool, he's, uh, he's with it, he's on the ball. The Rasha looks like someone who's uh, <coughs> equally with it, but somewhat mischievous and uh, a troublemaker, someone, you know, you want to stay away from. And the Tam and the Sheinu Yedei Elisha don't look uh, anything like you'd want to emulate, they're a simple son. You know, the, the Tom looks out of it, and the Ashenu de Elisha looks even uh, further uh, uninvolved. So the Tom is not something that we want to emulate. In fact, some of Farshim um, understand that the Tom is the third child that's listed in the Arab Abundant because he's, in fact, worse than the Russia to a certain degree. The Russia, at least, is asking Kashas. He's, uh, he's, he's, he's engaged. The Tom is Mazois. What's that? He's uh, minimally engaged. So the Tom is even worse, perhaps, than the Russia. In fact, in Yushalmi, the Girsa is different than the Bavli. The Girsa is that the f- third son is the Tippish, is the fool. So what is the, the Pasuk in Parashat Sekev? Tamim tiyam, Hashem alaykecha. We should be Tamim with HaKadosh Baruch Hu asking us to be. Are we supposed to be Tamim? Are we supposed to be simple? Are we supposed to be a Tippish? Are we supposed to be a fool? What is the Pasuk asking from us? So Moshe writes in the Drash Moshe, in fact, that there are two meanings uh, to the word Tam. <coughs> on the one hand, it could mean simple, which is the way it's touched in the Haggadah, the simple son. But Tam could also mean whole or complete. Ramayusha claims that the mitzvah of Tamim Tiyam HaShem means that we should be whole or complete with the Rebbe Shalalem. And that, in fact, is echoed by the Gemara Masech Psachim. The Gemara tells us in Masech Psachim, Adav Kufi, Gimel, Minbez, How do we know that a person should not seek advice or counsel from astrology? That a person should be whole with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, meaning you shouldn't go and seek advice or counsel from outside sources, such as astrology. 
you should seek advice and counsel from the Rebani Shalalam. The Sifre on that Pasuk in Parshas Akev, in fact, comments that Minayin Shein Shalom Bigoyrolois. Person's not allowed to seek advice from a girl, from a lottery. Which is odd. The Paradis Yosef, one of the commentaries on the Chumash, has on that uh, Pasuk in Parshas Akev, he says, well, then it quotes in the name of the Chida, which is the Birke Yosef, Svardi, he asks, well, how, how then do we have a girl Hagra? We're familiar with, uh, we're not familiar with how to do it, but we know that the concept exists, that there's some way of flipping through the Tanakh, with some uh, order of uh, how, how to turn the Tanakh and figure out that a uh, person is, you know, confused what he should do in life, he should look, can look through the Tanakh and arrive at a Pasuk, which will give him some manner of direction. So, how, how do we have such a gara? What happened to Tamim T. Yemeshem Kecha? So, the Paradis Yosef quotes from Rabchaim Berlin. He says, Rabchaim Berlin um, said he learned how to do the Garo Hagra from Briskirov. There's a famous mice that the Briskirov used the Garo Hagra as he was running away from the Nazis during the Second World War. So, he said he learned how to do the Garo Hagra from the Briskirov. And the first time he did the Garo Hagra, it came out on the Pasuk Tamim T. Yemeshem Kecha. So he understood from that that uh, it was the first and last time he used the Garo Hagra because he understood uh, that the message was not to use the Garo Hagra, to be Tamim, to be whole or complete with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, I'm sorry, how, how do you explain that that means whole or complete? When complete means you should completely focus on the Rebunna Shalom. Don't look to other things. But wouldn't that be simple? Like just take the two definitions are related. I understand what you're saying. But, but complete or whole implies something that's more nuanced than simple. Simple implies something I don't want to be. We don't want to be simple. But we want to be, we want to be sholem with HaKadosh Baruch. We want to be whole. We don't want to be looking to other things. That's what the Pasuk is asking us to be. But you're right. The two definitions are related. I agree with you. So Birka Yosef explains that this girl, Hagra, is not so much of a problem because it's related to Torah. So it comes from the Tanakh. That's what we're flipping through to get to some direction. We're not turning to another source. What Tamim Tiyem HaShem is telling us is that a person should not turn to outside sources for guidance and direction when he's confused, shouldn't turn to the stars or to some other gairo. A person should turn directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So that's what the Pasuk is asking from us. But what exactly is the reason we should turn directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not to other sources and not to other uh, places for guidance? And what, in what sense are we supposed to turn simp- only to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? In what sense are we supposed to be whole with the Rebbe Shalom? So the Rambam and the Ramban have a machlaikas about how to understand the implication of this mitzvah. The Rambam writes in Parakyud Aleph of Hilchas of Aydazar over here, Ois Beis, Vidvarim ha'elu kulam divrei shekev of You know why you should not turn to astrology or to lotteries? Because they are shekev echazav, they are uh, lies and deceit. There's really nothing there of substance that you're turning to. Umimenu, the person should only turn, I'm sorry, to the Rebunish Lolam. In fact, the Ramam says if you turn to these other sources, Umibne Zeh Amru on the last uh, second line of the Rambam, right after Vikulu, Umibne Zeh Amru Tarikishiro, Koela Volam, Tamim Tiyama Shabalakha. It's a waste of time, basically, the Rambam says, to turn to these other sources. So Tamim Tiyama Shabalokha for the Rambam means you shouldn't turn to other places for guidance or direction because there's nothing else of substance out there. Except the Rebbeinu Shalalim. The Ramban on Parshas Akev has an entirely different approach. The Ramban says, no, there are other forces in the world, but yet, which HaKadosh Baruch Hu created, and gave them some sort of latitude to operate, but yet the Rebbeinu Shalalim is the one who created them, he supervises them, he's the one in charge. 
So if you have the opportunity to turn directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, why should you turn to a power which is subservient or secondary to the Rebbe Shalalam? So says the Ramban, we should turn directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he is the one who really controls everything. He's the only one who really knows the future. You shouldn't turn to the other powers that exist in the world. You should turn directly to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the mitzvah, according to the Ramban of Tamim Tiyam Hashem is entirely different. There are, in fact, other powers, other forces within the world yeah, what the mitzvah is asking us is don't turn to those other powers like astrology or gorolos or maybe other, uh, other karchas that might exist. A person should focus directly on the one who's in charge on the Rebbein Shalalam. The Ramban has this as a running theme in his parish on Chumash. If you look over here, Ois Dawid, the Ramban comments on the famous Pesach at the beginning of Parshas Vayetzeh, when Yaakov Avinu arrives at the Makam HaMikdash and he has a dream about a Sula Mutz of Arts of Eresh Magia Shamaima, the latter that is entrenched in the ground, and the top reaches into the heavens. So he, Yaakov Avinu sees in a vision, There are malachim of Hashem going up and down. Who is that? What are the malachim Eloikim? So says the Ramban that it refers to Sar Malchus Yavam, but Sar Malchus Paras. It refers to these other powers which Rebunish Lolem gives um, permission to operate in the world. They have to come up and down to check with the Rebunish Shalom from time to time. They can't operate entirely independently, but you should turn to HaKadosh Baruch because he's the one in charge. But there are other things, other forces, other axes going on in the world that are not directly, they're created by the Rebunish Shalom, and he's in charge, but HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives them the latitude to operate within the world. In fact, that's how the Ramban teaches the Pasuk in the Aseris Hadibrois in Parshas Yisroi. It's not that well known, but the Ramban writes, You shouldn't have other gods in front of me. Who is that? Says the Ramban. Besides the Kaddish Baruch you shouldn't have other gods. What do you mean other gods? As opposed to what? A concrete statue? A gold Buddha has anything to do with the Rebbe Nishalalim that we could even say it's others compared to Hashem? No. What does a concrete statue, an idol, have to do with our Rebbe It's in a different class entirely. How could you even compare them? Why is it Acherim? So says the Ramban, you're right, it refers to those other powers in the world that operate. That's similar in a certain sense to the Ramban. Says the Ramban, those other gods are things that are powers in the world. But the Esau, Rabbi the Zara, is to worship them. You shouldn't do that. You should to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Or even if you worship them, they perhaps you violated, um, you will violate the, uh, the prohibition of worshipping of Eidezara. <coughs> but the Ramban understands that there are other forces in the world besides uh, those that are directly controlled by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created those other forces and he's the one who gives them permission to operate. But at the same time, there are other forces operating in the world. So says the Ramban, that's what the mitzvah of Tamim Tiyam Hashem Aleichecha is asking us. Don't turn to those other forces that operated in the world. Turn directly towards the Rebbe Nishalalim. Whereas the Rambam understood the implication of the Pasuk, Tam Tiyam Hashem Alekecha, means that a person should be whole with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, only turn to Hashem because there is literally nothing else. Everything else is Shekhev HaChazav, it literally does not exist. That's why, this is the basis for Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky points out in his uh, Sefer on Chumash, on Parashas Vayaschanon, there's a basic machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban with regards to the nature of Avodah Zorah. 
I put it here because otherwise no one will believe me that he says it. But look over here. Rabbi Yaakov says the following. There's a machlekes, a running machlekes, in the Ram and the Ramban, as to the nature of Avodah Zarah. The sheet is Haram and Mekam and Mekaymasi, the Avodah Zarah ain't bo mamish kol ikah ve'en lakayakal. Let's say an Avodah Avodah Zarah prays to his idol. Does that accomplish anything? Does he get any benefit from that prayer? Says the Rambam, no. There's nothing there in the golden statue. Whatever he's praying to, there's nothing there. If you worship anything other than the Rebbeinu not only have you violated the prohibition of worshiping the Zorah, you're also a bitul Torah. You're wasting time. Says the Ram. Not only are you guilty of worshiping the Zorah, you're guilty of wasting your time because there's no one home. There's no nothing there. That's how we normally presume. But the Ramban says, Every nation has a mashpia. In the Bamish they call Rabbanim mashpia. But every nation has a mashpia mishala. Has its own, you know, guiding force. In the upper worlds, that can affect that nation. As long as it's not affecting Klal Yisrael and our Hashgacha, if they dive into there, they pray to their God, it will be, it will have efficacy, it will accomplish something. Because there is some, there are other powers within the world. The Rebbeinu Shalom is the one who created them, says the Ramban. But at the same time, there are other forces operating within the world, and Tamim Tiyem Hashem is telling us, or indicating to us, asking from us, not to turn to those other powers, but rather to turn to the Rebbeinu Shalom, as opposed to the Rambam, who understands there are literally no other powers within the world, and Avedah Zarah is a, entirely a waste of time. This Machlekes, between the Rambam and the Ramban, are there other powers within the world? And then what is the implication, what is the midst of Tamim Tiyem Hashem asking us, has two ramifications. It manifests itself in two other areas. Okay? The first area where this machlekes manifests itself, even Mamaisa, is with regards to whether or not a person is allowed to pursue a medical course of uh, action, but he wants to pursue a certain therapy, in the face of Isurim. He's going to violate an Isur in the process. <laughs> when are you allowed to do that? When are you not? So the basis for this discussion is the Gemara and Shabbos. The Mishnah, it's really a Mishnah, Mesech the Shabbos, and the Zayin, over here, Zayin. The Mishnah says, discussing what you're allowed to walk out with on Shabbos in a place where there's no Eruv. If you're in a place where there's no Eruv, of course you're not allowed to carry. All you're allowed to go out with is your clothing. If you wear a key around your neck with a chain, that's, that's called carrying. It's just a more uh, sophisticated form of carrying than carrying it in your hand. But Kozman, it's not one of your, uh, it's not part of your garment, it's not part of your wardrobe, it's just a key hanging around your neck. Unless it's a gold-plated key or something that's, you know, a piece of jewelry. But uh, that's just a sophisticated form of carrying. That's just as much carrying. So, but the Gemara says in Masech the Shabbos the following. You can go out with around your neck, even though it's carrying, the betas hakargo with an ostrich egg, ubeshen ashuah with a fox tooth, ubemisvar min hatzolov, or with a nail from uh, someone who was tzolov, mishum refuah, 
because it was there were medicinal uh, properties to it. Divrei Rameir. So obviously it's a case of life-saving activity. This was life-saving, otherwise you're violating Shabbos. So it was a pikuach nefesh, you're allowed to go out wearing these items on Shabbos. The Chachamim say you can't even do this during the week because it's it's chukas akum. You're following in the practices of the of the of the, of the Zerah. Where did you learn how to wear an ostrich egg and a fox tooth? You know, the modern equivalent of the uh, you know would be the the rabbit's foot. So where did you get these practices from? If not from the umos ha'olam, that's a violation of uvechukos sehem lo seilechu. So even during the week, it's aser. But yet the Gemara concludes the following. Abai and Rav Adami Tarvayu, Abai and Rav both said, Anything that has medicinal properties to it, meaning it's a course of therapy, you're doing it for medicine, There's no problem of Chukasakum, and you can pursue this course of therapy even though you're violating Shabbos. You're wearing the ostrich egg, the fox tooth, you can go outside wearing these items on Shabbos. Not only is it not Chukasakum, you can even violate Shabbos for this. So in our context, what medicinal activities can you do, and this comes up nowadays with the more, uh, you know, uh, we have more and more medicinal activities that are, you know, alternative medicines that come from dubious uh, origins. Can you pursue them if there's a, you're violating an Easter in the process? Let's say you want to do an alternative course of therapy, but it's going to cause you to violate Shabbos. Or there's Machalas Asuras involved. When is that allowed? When is it not allowed? So the Rashba writes, Machlekes Lamaisa. The Rashba writes, on that Gemara Masech the Shabbos, Perush, Kol Sheyesh over here Oitzches, Kol Sheyesh over Mifum Mifshum Refua, Bein Sam Bein Lachash. Says the Rashba, even if it's a potion, a medication, or an incantation, it's all allowed. The Afilu Lachashim Yesh Ben Mamish Malin Refua. There are incantations, says the Rashba, that work, have medical, uh, you know, uh, benefits. Even if we don't know if it works, if it's a suffix, it's all allowed. Unless, says the Rashba, it has been disproven. If it's been shown not to work, then not. But anything that might work, a shot in the dark, we have no reason to suspect it will work, but they say, the Velt says it works, so then uh, you can do it. Even though you're violating an Easter in the process, it's strafe. You're violating Shabbos to do it. The person has to be in a life-threatening illness. But he's a life-threatening illness, and there's another course of therapy involves Chul Shabbos, involves Machal Sasur, says the Rashi is allowed as long as people think it works, unless it's been disproven. That's the Rashba. The Rambam in the Mar Nebuchim finds this very difficult. Says the Rambam in the Mar Nebuchim of here, Oistes, Whatever you're doing for a, a medicine, there's no problem of chukasakum. Kavanosim loimar shekol shemechayev oisay ha'iyun hativi mutalas oisay. It has to be that it makes sense to us based on our knowledge of science. Meaning a doctor comes up with an experimental procedure. But he believes it might work. Otherwise he wouldn't suggest it. He'd look silly. So he believes it might work. Okay, then you're allowed to do it and if you're violating an Easter in the process. That's allowed. Or says the Rambam on the third line, in the middle of the line, Shekol Amis Nisyoinoi. Or it has been proven in clinical trials to work. If, even though we wouldn't have intuited that it should work, but it's been proven in the laboratory to work, then you can violate Isurim in the process. That's, uh, that's the scientific method. If it works, now we have to adjust our science to fit uh, what happens in the laboratory. 
But the Rambam says two criteria in order to be mutter, to violate an Easter in the course of a medical treatment. Number one, it has to either make sense based on our knowledge of science, or number two, it has to be that it's been proven. That it was proven through uh, scientific tests, through laboratory clinical trials. That's the only time that it's allowed. One minute. So says the Rambam, what about this ostrich egg and the fox tooth? How are they allowed to go out with that on Shabbos? The Gemara says over here, all these things are allowed. And not only is it not you can walk outside with the ostrich egg or with the fox tooth or with the, the, the mismar menatzalov, the nail from the person who is tzalov. How is that allowed? They thought that works? So says the Rambam, yes. On the second line, he writes, even though you're carrying, it's just around your neck, that's still carrying. They thought these were scientifically proven. Now, says the Raman, we know different. But in those days, they thought that this was something that science had proved, and that's why it was allowed. So according to the Rambam, the only time you're allowed to violate, and this is Lamaisa too, it's Machlekes had a paskin, many think we paskin like the Rashbah. But uh, according to the Rambam, one is only allowed to pursue a course of medical treatment if there's reason to believe, based on science, it will work, or it's been proven in a laboratory, in, uh, in clinical trials. This is also the opinion, more famously, the opinion of the, Rash, the Rambam in the parish of Mishnayas and Masechtas Yuma. The Mishnah of Masechtas Yuma is discussing, what do you do if you're bit by a rabid dog? person is bit by a rabid dog. What do you do? So the Mishnah, Mesechtas Yuma, quotes one opinion from Amasib ben Kharash that the uh, accepted treatment for being bit by a rabid dog was to eat <coughs> the liver of the dog. That dog that bit you. You had to chase down the dog that bit you and eat the liver of that dog. Maybe it had antibodies or something. So Amasib ben Kharash, makes sense. So Amasib ben Kharash said, you're allowed to do this even on Yom Kippur. Even though you're eating, and dogs, of course, are not a kosher animal, you're eating a dog, which is one problem, on Yom Kippur, it's allowed in order to cure the rabies. That was a Masib ben Kharash. The Chachamim say you can't even do this, not on Yom Kippur, you can't even do this during the week. You can't eat a dog. One, the Chachamim, look at the Rambam, as he explains the opinion of the Chachamim, which is how we paskin. It has to be something that makes sense. To us, this really doesn't make any sense. How could the liver from the dog, which had rabies, cure you of the rabies that you got from the dog? It doesn't make any sense. So therefore, it only works. It's some sort of skulo that it works. And the Chachamim say you cannot violate an Iser, cannot violate Machalas Asuris in pursuit of a medical course of action, that it only works based on a school law. It doesn't work based on our knowledge of science. And says the Rambam, this is a major rule, write it down. So according to the Rambam, one is only allowed to pursue a course of uh, action, a, you know, a therapy, and if you're going to violate an Easter in the process, if it makes sense based on, on science. And the Rajbah holds, even if it doesn't make sense based on science, as long as it hasn't been proven not to work, you can do it. How far does this Easter rule go? I mean, Zara, could you still do it? No. Well, why is it he doesn't say that? I know, that's a Gemara himself. If it's Avedah Zara, you can, you can get a refuah from anything that's not Avedah Zara, because that's Yaharik Valiyafa. Arayas also. So the Rajba holds you can, <coughs> as long as it hasn't been disproven. If, as long as people think it works, even though it doesn't make sense based on science. So I believe that this Machlaikis 
it's really a manifestation of the previous Machlechus. And that is that the Rashba, who of course is the Talmud of the Ramban, is following in the footsteps of the Ramban. The Rashba believes that there are many powers that function in the world. There's not just HaKadosh Baruch who might express himself most often through Teva. But there are other powers in the world. And it could be that you have the power to tap into one of those powers, even though it doesn't make sense based on Teva. Based on sign makes no sense, but you have the ability to tap into that and attain a refua. There are incantations that work. There are potions that work. So if a person thinks, if the belt says, if you eat a rat's tail and a fox tooth and a rabbit's foot and you mix it in the soup and you cook it up, and the belt says that it works until it's been disproven and it doesn't come from an Avedazara source. As long as it's been, until it's been disproven, that's fine, says the Rajma, because maybe there is some power out there that that works. And the Raman believes, no, there is no other Kayach in the world except the Rebbein and HaKadosh Baruch who expresses himself through Teva. So therefore, says the Raman, you have to function within Teva. There's nothing else out there that you're tapping into with your funny concoction, your potion, your incantation. There's nothing else there. Can I ask you a question? Of course. So, but by definition, yes. okay, if you're saying that these other things that don't make logic mm-hmm. by Teva right. work, right? what's the source of their working? I mean... According to the Rashba, the, the source of their working is, is some other power. It's like the gentleman asked. Right. Really, you're doing it because you think there's a, some other power out there that's, that's empowering these devices. Which HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives the liberty to, to function. But you're not worshipping them. No, the Esau of Avodah is to worship it. No, but so, so you can go to a Christian site where they, people have been healed? I'm not worshiping. No. You just go to the site. That's, that's you're tapping into an Avodah Zarah. Well, that's exactly that's what, what he's saying. saying. That's, that's no, I'm, what I'm saying is if you worship them, Christianity is a religion of worshiping other powers. That, no, that you can't do. What you can do you is you that. can independently from here to perform some sort of potion. If this potion works, so then okay, that's allowed. But if you have to worship something else in the process or go to an established institution of worshiping other things, no, that's a way to Zahra. Even if you believe, by you're demonstrating by your action of using this thing, that you believe it's deriving its power from some other source, yeah, this, 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 this See, see, this is all counterintuitive to us because we view this as supernatural already. It must be that there's some other deity. There isn't. There are many what we call natural forces. Natural forces, according to the Ramban, we have to broaden our horizons. What that means? It doesn't mean that there is another deity who's controlling it. A Kaddish Baruch who gives liberty to other (coughs) axes of you know dimensions, the nature to function in the world. And if you can tap into that without worshiping them. Then that's allowed. Right. Yes. I think the Ramban, Ramban by the Chartumim Mitzrayim, says they were able to Good. Uh, next example. harness the forces of Excellent. nature. Excellent. And we'll get there right now. Excellent. Correct. Other powers, exactly. So this Machlaik has manifests itself uh, again with regards to magic. The Gemara says over here in Masechle Sanhedrin that, of course, magic, <laughs> Kishuf, is a loisase in the Torah. And not only says the Gemara is Kishuf, Formal magic also, where you literally, tra- you know, tra- you, you transform one item into something else, you accomplish a, f- a fundamental change in the item. Even ha'oychazes ha'inayim is aser. You do an eye-grabbing activity is also aser. What is an eye-grabbing activity that's aser? What is included in that prohibition? So the Bach, in Hilchas Avay Dezar, in Yeradeya, in Shulchan Aruch, quotes from the Smag, you must employ magic in your real magic in your uh, eye-grabbing activity. Only if you use magic is it prohibited. If you don't use magic, real magic, it's allowed. 
Fine. So if you use sleight of hand for the smog, that's not a problem. It's only if you employ real magic. The Rambam says no. What is an eye-grabbing activity that is prohibited? It looks like you're using magic, but in fact you are not using magic. Sleight of hand. It looks like you're using magic, but you're not. That's also usr. That's also usr. And in fact, that's how the Shach Paskins in Shulchan Aruch, the Pischei Tshuva, quotes him the Chayyotim, who Paskins like that as well. That even any eye-grabbing activity, even if it doesn't use real magic, is prohibited. That's why many Paiskim, Rabbadya and Ramayisha, are upset about um, magic shows that are being performed by Jews. It's coming up, Chalamayit, all the hotels have uh, magic shows, <coughs> right after the casino nights. <laughs> anyway, all the wonderful things that go on in Chalamayit in the hotels. So, uh, magic show, many Paiskim are upset about the magic show. Why? Because if it, especially if it's being performed by a Jew, if it's being performed by a non-Jew, it's not a problem. But if it's being performed by a Yid, you have a problem because he's violating what, according to the Rambam, is the Easter of I'm <coughs> doing an eye-grabbing activity. Even though he's not using magic, of course, but uh, it grabs the eye, sleight of hand, and that is Aser. Ramesha claims, though, Ramesha has a way out of this problem by, um, by, by, by being... Uh, Sensitive to the language of the Rambam. The Rambam writes, It looks like you used magic, even though you really didn't use magic. So it says, Ramesh, if you explain to people before the magic show, there's no magic here. It's all sleight of hand. So it doesn't look like you're using magic. So then uh, you have told them all, it's sleight of hand before, so then, uh, so then that's allowed. Rav Sternbach goes even further in his Chuvas von Hagas and he says, no, you must explain every trick because people will think you're just being <laughs> modest. People will think, oh, he's just saying that. But there's really magic, so you have to go out of his way to explain every trick. My, my mother-in-law once had for our uh, Hanukkah Masiba family, she got uh, a from guy to perform a magic show. So the guy was a very from Yid, so he announced before the magic show every trick he was going to do, he explained. The kids are like, so what are we doing here? <laughs> the, guy, the guy just explained every trick. Now I could do it. What do we need this guy for? It ruins every magic show if you do this. But uh, at least if you're dealing with kids who actually think that there is real magic there, so that's, uh, that's what the price can say. You have to announce before that it's not magic. Ramayisha says it must be the case that that's true. Because let's say a guy runs very fast. Or a guy can do backflips. He's very acrobatic. He's very uh, dexterous. The guy can move and nimble. And he can do things. That's an eye-grabbing activity on the uh, internet that would, you know, go viral. A guy could do some sort of, uh, you know, acrobatic move. That people are very interested in looking at those things. So, what is that, Aser? That's how Eiches is Ho'enayim? So, says Ramayisha, can't be. Just because a guy runs fast cannot be a violation of how Eiches is Ho'enayim. It must be that there's some um, assumption that he's using magic. So, therefore, if you announced before, it's not a problem. Well, that would be pretty silly to do that, right? Right. Why would you idolize a guy because just because he could run fast? That's a whole separate discussion. Oh. Okay, so the Rambam understands what is Ha'ekhazes Ha'enayim, that's Aser. That's if you look like you're using magic, even if you're really not. Sleight of hand. The smog says no, only if you literally use magic. What are they arguing about? I believe the Rambam had, was forced into this position. Because the Rambam thinks there's no such thing as magic. There are no other powers in the world. All there is is Teva and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's how HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses to express himself through Teva. So that's all there is. There are no k- Kishuf, 
for the Rambam, all those uh, things will have to be reinterpreted. But the Rambam doesn't understand that there is a Karach of Kishif. So when the Gemara says, is is also, what's it talking about? It's talking about sleight of hand. Whereas the Smag is following along the lines of thinking of the Ramban and the Rajbah that there are other powers in the world. So if there are other powers, it's presumable that... Uh, to, to argue that is limited to a case where you actually use real magic. But if you don't use real magic, uh, so then it would, be, uh, it would be allowed. Do we really have capabilities of magic now? According to the Ramban, there is such a power in the world. Yes. In the world. Okay. Yeah, whether this person you know, has the ability to tap into it or not, I don't know. But the Ramban believes that, yes, there are powers of magic. There are other powers that incantations can tap into. Yeah. Surprising as it, as it sounds. Even though the Ramban at this point is surprising, we're going to see that this Machlekes is linked to a larger Machlekes between the Ramban and the Ramban, and as you'll see, we're going to assume like the Ramban. Even though now it sounds surprising that there are other powers in the world like magic, the Ramban sounds more intuitive to us. This Machlekes between the Ramban and the Ramban that we've tried to develop is whether or not there are other powers in the world. The Ramban believes there is nothing else. And what Tamit Yem HaShem is teaching us, behold with the Rebbe Shalalem, because everything else is a waste of time. And uh, medicine that's mutter in the face of a prohibition is only if it makes sense based on Teva. That's how the Rebbe expresses himself and there's no such thing as magic. The Ramban understands, no, Tavit Yom is telling us there are other Karchas in the world. which Rebbe Shalom gives jurisdiction to function. And what Tavit Yom is telling us is asking us, don't look to them. Turn to Rebbe Shalom, he's in charge. And perhaps in the course of a, pursuing a medical uh, you know, course of therapy, you can tap into these other karchas that exist, and perhaps that serves to understand magic as well. Yes? How does Ramam understand Shadim? The Ramam denies Shadim, but that's a whole separate... Yeah, it's a Marina Vukram and Shadim, uh, he denies the whole concept. Even though it's in the Yes. The whole problematic... This is why the Marina Vukram is not popular. <laughs> right. Gilgulim also, he denies, he denies many... Uh, those more difficult concepts. This Machlekes, though, whether or not there are other powers in the world, or there aren't, or all there is, is the Rebbe Shalom who expresses himself through Teva, uh, I believe really serves as the basis for a much broader, or perhaps uh, this serves as the basis for the first one, but the two Machlekes, the two discussions are related, serves for a basis for another Machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban as to the nature of miracles in general. The Ramban... <coughs> has a famous comment, arguably his most famous comment in his entire parish on Chumash, at the end of Parshas Boy, where the Ramban writes, why do we have, he asks, why do we have so many mitzvahs that are Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? We have uh, Sukkot is Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, all the mitzvahs of Pesach are Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, a mitzvah twice a day every year to, to, to remember Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Sipur Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, Tefillin is Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, constantly, Shabbos we mention Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, so many things Zechel Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, why do we need so many mitzvahs? So says the Ramban, it's in order to emphasize Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, to teach us a lesson. From these public and very obvious miracles of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, a person recognizes and is forced to admit the hidden miracles of every day. This is the basis for the entirety of Torah. A person does not begin to have a foot in the door in the enterprise of Torah. Says the Ramban, everything that happens to us is nice. There is no such thing as Teva women Hagel Shel Olam. It just does not exist. For the Ramban, there is no such thing as Teva, all there is is nice. The Rambam goes to the other extreme. And here the Rambam is more counterintuitive and less well-known. 
The Ramam is commenting on the Mishnah Mesechtas Ovis. The Mishnah comments in the Mesechtas Ovis, Parakei, the Mishnah lists a number of things that are tens. There were the ten Nisyonis of Avram Avinu, the ten miracles that occurred in the Beis Hamikdash every day. And another ten that the Mishnah lists is those ten things that were created Erev Shabbos Ben Hashmashos, Nisim. One is the Piha Asain, the mouth of the donkey that spoke to Bilam, the Piha Be'er. The Be'er Miriam was created, Erev Shabbos of the Sheshus and Mebreshus, Ben Hashmashos, in between night and day, twilight. And the Piha Oretz that swallowed Kairach, a whole list of ten things. Says the Rambam, not just these ten specific miracles were part of Sheshus and these were the ten ones that were created during Ben Hashmashos. But all of the Nisim that will occur throughout the history of mankind were implanted within the creation plan already. They were there already, says the Rambam. As part of the Hu Hadavar HaTivi, the Rambam says those things that occur. The Rambam writes in the second line, Bain, in the middle of the line, Bain if it happens all the time, that we call nature. It happens rarely, infrequently, but they're all, that we call a miracle. But they're all teva. They're all part of the creation plan. Nothing is supernatural. There's no such thing as supernatural. Supernatural was part of nature. It was part of the creation plan. So let's say someone will demonstrate that uh, the, the Kriya Siamsov took place because of a convergence of a bunch of natural phenomenon. There's a tsunami with, together with a hurricane, with an earthquake. All these things are not a problem for the Rambam. Those things happen infrequently. And that's how the Rebbe Shalom intended to orchestrate Kriyas Yamsuf. was not through miraculous means. That is a, ma- a miracle for the Rambam. What a miracle means is a natural phenomenon that occurs irregularly, infrequently. That's what a miracle is for the Rambam. So for the Rambam, there is just the opposite of the Ramban. There is no such thing. As nais, everything is in fact teva, was implanted in the creation. And I believe that this is related to the machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban we've been dealing with. According to the Rambam, all that, the Rebunish, the, all that exists in the world is the power of the Rebunish Shalom. The Rebunish Shalom chooses to express himself in teva. So you cannot have, which he didn't have to, but the Rebunish Shalom decides to do that. So you cannot have something override teva. There is nothing else except teva. So you can't have a supernatural occurrence which implies it overrides the rules of teva. All there is is teva. Everything must be nature. But the Ramban understands, no, there is no primary force called teva. There's many different forces acting on one another. So there is no such thing as teva. There's no primary force. It's a constant flow of different forces acting on one another. There are all these different powers that the Rebunish Lalim created. There's nature, yes, which is, you know, a, 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 you know I'd say the, the most common form of uh, occurrence that we, we recognize. But says Ramban, it's not exclusive. There are many powers that operate in the world and they're interacting on one another on a constant basis. So says Ramban, there's no primary force at all. All the forces interacting with one another, everything is nace. There is, in fact, no such thing as teva. This is why there's a machlekes as well between the Ramam and the Ramban with regards to whether or not a person can have so much bitachon, so much reliance upon HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that he doesn't have to go to a doctor. The Gemara says, meaning, can you override teva with your bitachon? Can I have such extreme levels of bitachon and that scale, the relationship between bitachon and hishtados, bitachon and doing work, can I have so much bitachon that I don't need hishtados at all? I don't have to go to a doctor even. So the Gemara says in Mesechtas Brachis that there were six things did. His contemporaries, the Chachamim, the Chazal, at the time of Chizkiyo Amelech, 
Three, they agreed with him. Three, they didn't agree with him. He did six things independently. Three, they approved of. Three, they didn't. Of the three that they, uh, that they approved of what he did, one of them was Gana Sefer Rafuas. He threw out the, uh, you know, the uh, physician's desk reference. He got rid of the book of medications. Why did he do that? And why did they approve of it? So the Rajba writes in a tshuva, Rashi, in fact, has the same explanation in that Gemara. That was Chizkiyahu. Uh, hid the book of Rafuos is because people were not worked so well. Well, it's not because it had practice of Aveda Zara in it. Rather, it's because it worked so well, no one was going to shul, no one was saying Mishaberach. He made such a great book. It worked whether with nature, whether with Segula. No one was coming to shul. So they hid the book. They got rid of it. Because it was uh, turning people away from the Rebbe Shalala. The Rambam in his parish HaMishnayas is uh, severely unhappy about this explanation. But wait, I mean, he threw away the book of Rafuas because... It worked too well. What, what was he doing? Oh, the book of Rafuas was working too Yes, so he got rid of it. Because it worked too well. So the Rambam says that is utter idiocy. The Rambam says, the Rambam says, no, you know why he got rid of it? It was quackery. The Rambam writes, he got rid of it, either was against halacha, or people were getting sick. It didn't work. That's why he got rid of it. And then the Rambam writes three lines from the bottom. He says, I only have to explain this at all because he heard about this other perush, based on their silly explanation, that it worked too well, the Rambam says it makes no sense. It's illogical. He says, let's say a person is uh, hungry. So what? He should daven that the roll, you know, he should sit over the sandwich and daven that the roll should enter into his belly. No, of course he has to eat it. He can't daven that he should become satiated without eating it. So too, says the Rambam, it's obvious that you have to use that which Rebbe Shalom provided us with, which, which is medicine. Of course you have to engage in teva. You can't supersede teva through davening. But yet the Ramban, and the Rajba seems to agree, the Ramban in Parshas Bechukaisei has what is perhaps his most infamous comment in all of his parish on Chumash, where the Ramban says, when Klal Yisrael is functioning on the highest Madregis, so lo yisnoig in yonam b'teva klal, perhaps they don't have to engage in nature at all, v'yasir machlo mikirvam, HaKadosh Baruch will remove all form of sickness, ad shalo you won't need a doctor at all. You could function in such high levels of bitachin, you don't need to go to a doctor at all, perhaps you don't need to work at all. A person could function in such high madragas of bitachin that it could eliminate, he could over, supersede nature. The Ramam holds, no, that's impossible. You cannot function in such high levels of bitachin, you don't have to take the, a pill, you don't have to go to a doctor. It makes no sense, he said, that when you can function in such high levels of bitachin, you don't have to eat. The Ramam would probably agree, yes, you can. You could function in such a high madragas, you don't have to eat at all. But the Rambam holds you cannot supersede Teva because Teva is the way the Rebbe Shalom chooses to function in the world. That's all there is. And uh, that's, you can't supersede it. But the Ramban holds, no, everything is nice. There's so many different function, powers functioning in the world. Not one is primary, one is secondary, overriding Teva. No, everything is nice. There's so many things going on. There is no such thing as Teva. So says the Ramban, who said I have to go to a doctor to get better? There's no such thing as Teva that I have to engage in Teva. The Ramban holds you could have so much bitachon that it could shrink the requirement of Ishtadus to absolutely nothing, and the person could simply turn to the Rebbe in order to get better. 
Okay, so we have a machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban. What is the nature of miracles? According to the Rambam, the nature of a miracle is really it's part of the creation plan. It's all part of Teva. It was not, uh, it's not there, in fact, there are no miracles for the Rambam. It was all part of Teva. I'm sorry, when you say part of Teva, though, part of the creation plan. Right. But occurring through natural phenomenon. But, but that's two different things. Not really. Yeah, no, because one is earthquakes and tsunamis that happen at the right. same time, and the other is talking donkeys. That's something different. That was created, Arab Shabbos Bein right, That's different than two. Not for the Rambam. <laughs> not for the Rambam. But when Rambam says that it's a natural, it, it's a natural occurrence, he just means that. Hashem planned at the moment of creation That's right. that there should be something that is totally outside of what we think of as nature. Not like really. A bunch of natural forces. I would argue that if it occurred during Shezus and Mebrashis, that is part of nature, just as much as, and there are these ten things that will occur, maybe through natural phenomenon, I don't know. It could, for the Rambam, if you could explain the Tonking Donkey through natural phenomenon, that would be great. Meaning, and according to the Rambam, he would probably argue you can. It must be you can. It functions based on some natural phenomenon. Or it was put there in the creation plan. It's not something that happens every second. The Ramban understands that Kaddish Baruch Hu is Mechadish Yom Tamid, literally. Every single second there's a new Ratzon and every, you never know what could happen. We're, you know, going by the seat of our pants. Anything could happen at any moment. The, Ram, the Rambam says no. So how does the Rambam learn that we're going to read in the Haggadah, Lo B'Seraf, Lo B'Hakadosh Baruch Hu, himself is going to take us out Kodesh Baruch himself took us out through natural phenomenon. Okay, we'll get to in a second. We'll get to in a second, okay? So for the Rambam, the Rambam, all miracles are part of nature. For the Ramban, there is no such thing as nature. All miracle, everything is miracle. Either a hidden miracle, which we meaning things that we presume happen all the time, which we the Rambam would call nes nistar, or nes nigla, things that happen uh, less rarely. But they're all nisim, whereas according to the Rambam, they're all teva. What then is the message of reliving, of re-experiencing Yitzias Mitzrayim? What are we seeking to accomplish? What's the message and the lesson we're supposed to learn? So for the Ramban, it's obvious. And I believe the message is, we're supposed to internalize that just like we are celebrating now, we're re-experiencing Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, everything that happens in our life is a nice nistar. Rabbanu Shalom is controlling it to the same degree. That's obvious. What about for the Rambam? What are we celebrating then at Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? Natural phenomenon. So we get together, all to, we're now going to celebrate natural phenomenon. Why should we celebrate? What is the message we're supposed to derive from that? Okay, okay, it could be. Meaning nature, meaning my rabu masecha. Okay, so then we can go to a waterfall. I mean, for the same, uh, same, the same money, or Swiss so Alps. We're saying that it's similar. Hashem. Maybe, maybe. I believe though that perhaps, perhaps you could be right. Perhaps there's a deeper message, which is perhaps even I think arguably more profound and meaningful than you know even than the Ramban's idea, and that is the Rambam as. Paul's question. The Rambam asks in the Maimar Trias HaMesim, which we've mentioned previously, uh, uh, a Maimar which the Rambam wrote in order to defend his position about Trias HaMesim, the Rambam asks, one minute, if everything in the world is Teva, how does the Rebunish alone punish and reward? How is there Schar V'yonish if everything is nature? So the Rambam explains the following. The Rambam says Teva doesn't mean that it's random or it's coincidence. Teva means that it's through natural means. But even within nature, the Rebunish Lom can manipulate it to punish and reward. For example, uh, let's say we all drive a car. Okay? Some, most people do not get in car accidents every time they drive the car. Some people, Loyalenu, get in car accidents. Everybody uh, invests money. Some people make money, and some people don't make Loyalenu, do not make money. Uh, so people take medications. We all take medications, we're not well. Some people get better, 
And we understand it's natural, and some people do not get better. Who will get better? Who won't? Who will make money? Who won't? Who will get in a car accident? Who won't? That's all within nature, yet that's how the Rebundishalom punishes and rewards within what is acceptable as nature. Some people, yes, some people not. So that's how a Kaddish Baruch who punishes and rewards. So I believe what the message of, uh, of re-experiencing Yetzirah Mitzrayim is for the Rambam is, is that we are recognizing that the Rebbeinu Shalom controls the world through nature. Meaning what we interpret to be nature is not random at all. That's the Yad Hashem. So not only is the Yad Hashem like the Ramban told us, everything is Nisim. There's one message to that. The Ramam is saying that within nature, that's also the Rebbeinu Shalom. Even though we perceive it as nature, it's not random. It happens to us because that's the Yad Hashem <laughs> choreographing, orchestrating things through nature. The Pasuk tells us in Parshas... Um, Vayet say that when Yehuda is born, so Leah names him Yehuda, the post says, Hapam, Aideas Hashem. It's now again to this week's parsha. We have the carbon taida in parsha Sav. So she names him Yehuda because she finally gave Haida, she gave Hakaras Hatayv to the Ben Shalom because she got more than her fair share of the Shvatim. They were only supposed to get three, each one of the emotes, and she got four. But the Gemara comments in Mesechtis Brochis that Leah was the first person from the time of creation of the world to give Hakaras Hatayv to the Ben Shalom. First person, when she named Yehuda she named him Yehuda. So if Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld, others asked too, how could it be Leah is the first person to, exe- ex- uh, to express a karas hatayv to Rebunish Shalalem? Was it such a society of ingrates that nobody said, you know, thank you, could it really be? So he says, yeah, it can't be, because we find Noach, after the Mabul, Noach brought Karbonus. Noach thanked HaKadosh Baruch Hu for saving him in the Mabul. So why is Leah considered to be the first one? So Yosef Chaim Zonenfeld explains that no, what the Gemara means is the following. Noach expressed HaKaras HaTayv to HaKadosh Baruch Hu after something extraordinary happened. Uh, a marble happened and he was saved. So he expressed HaKaras HaTayv. Leah is the first one who recognized this idea. That the Rebbe Shalom, she gave birth. Natural occurrence. She recognized that's also the Rebbeinu Shalom orchestrating events through the guise of nature. Kadosh Baruch Hu was controlling things. He's pulling the strings. And she was the first one to recognize that. And that's according to the Rambam what we're celebrating at the Leil Seder. Not only that, like the Ramban said, everything is Nisim. And the nas- just like the Nes Nigla of Yitzhiyas Mitzrami, of the Nes Nistar of every day. No, for the Rambam, everything is Teva. But even within Teva, Kaddish Baruch Hu is pulling the strings with what we call natural, normal, Kaddish Baruch Hu is pulling the strings. That could be, there's a famous shot from the Gerah. <coughs> this is usually when people start falling asleep, you know, dozing off in the Agada. When uh, right after Vihisha Amda, every generation, nations uh, gather up against us to destroy us. Vihisha Amda, Kaddish Baruch Hu saves us. Kaddish Baruch Hu matzileinu So right after that, the Agada continues, Seulamad. Go out and learn this from where? From where? From Lavan Arami. That Bikesh Lavan Lakar Sakal. Lavan wanted to destroy Yaakov Avinu and HaKadosh Baruch who saved us. So as the Grah, we don't have in our Chumash that Lavan was plotting to kill Yaakov Avinu. He wanted to uh, enslave him. He wanted to deceive him. But we never find that he wanted to kill him. So what's Bikesh Lavan Lakar Sakal? He wanted to destroy Yaakov Avinu. So the Grah explains. <coughs> No, it must have been, that's what Lovan was plotting to do. It doesn't appear in the Chumash. Because the Rebbeinu Shalom cut him off at the pass. Yaakov Avinu didn't even know that Lovan was plotting to kill him, and the Rebbeinu Shalom saved him. He said, Lamashal, a person's driving down the street, 
and he's not a care in the world, honky dory, he's whistling Dixie, and he doesn't know that at the next uh, intersection there's a drunk driver on a collision course directly for him. He doesn't know. But yet, Rebbe you know, brings a dump truck three blocks down, blocks the uh, drunk driver that's on his way to in a collision course with him, and uh, diverts the drunk driver, and he doesn't crash into him. So that says uh, the gross, what we're celebrating at the Leilat Seder. Lavan was plotting to kill Yaakov Avinu. That's what he had in his brain. That's what he was planning to do. It never manifested itself because HaKadosh Baruch who cut him off. He prevented him from being able to do that. But Seul Lamad, that's what we're celebrating at the Leilat Seder, is things we don't even know. It happens in what we perceive to be nature. And it's called nature. It all happens through natural means. Nothing's violating the laws of nature. But even within nature, the Rebunish Shalalem is manipulating uh, what occurs based on Schar based on the Hashkach of the Rebunish Shalalem. Whether it's like the Rambam or whether it's like the Ramban, that the lesson we're supposed to learn from the Leil Seder is that everything that occurs is Nisim Nistarim, or that the Rebbe Shalom is the one who's choreographing, orchestrating things even in the guise of nature, I think we clearly see that what the Leil Seder is meant to teach us is to be Mechazek our Emunah. See, Mechazek our Emunah, either that everything like the Ramban says is Nisim Nistarim, or like the, uh, like the Ramam says, the Rebbe Shalom is controlling, orchestrating the world through nature. Either way, it's meant to be Mechazek our Emunah. There's a comment that of the, the Nitziv in his Haggadah on Pesach, I'm very fond of. The Nitziv comments on the Haggadah, which the Haggadah says, I feel Kulanu Chachamim, Kulanu Nevoinim, even if we'd all be great Talmud Chachamim, Kulanu Yoydim Esatayra, Mitzvah Lenin Lesapa B'Yitzias Mitzrayim, Bechol Marbel Lesapa, Reza Meshubach. We have a mitzvah to the, discuss, to the, retell the story of Yitzias Mitzrayim, whoever does so. Is Hareza Meshubach. So the Nitziv asks, why do we have this comment in the Haggadah? We don't find a disclaimer before taking Lulav. Afilu Kulanu Chachamim, Kulanu Nevainim, Mitzvah Leinu Leishet Besukah. Afilu Kulanu Chachamim, Kulanu Nevainim, Mitzvah Leinu Litkaya Beshaifar. Or, you know, we have a Mitzvah to, to, to fast in Yom Kippur, even though Kulanu Chachamim, Kulanu Nevainim, we still have a Mitzvah to fast in Yom Kippur. We don't find such a disclaimer. Why is there such a disclaimer by the Haggadah? Even though it would be, we still have to do it. Why would we have thought you don't? So the Nitziv explains in his Haggadah, the Shefer, that it's because all those other mitzvahs, the mitzvah is to do a certain activity. The mitzvah is to take lulav, the mitzvah is to blow shoifer. By the Leila Seder, the mitzvah is to be mechazekar emuna. So you, it's not an activity. It's, to be, it's a night about celebrating emuna. Whether for the Ramban, for the Ramban, his perspective, or the Ramban's perspective, it's a mitzvah about celebrating emuna. That these same things that we're celebrating, the Yitzhak Mitzrayim is an ace nista, that's happening in our time too. We need to have that Amun as well. And therefore, I might have thought that if you have Amun already, you're potter, and you know, exempt. You know, you're, uh, you, you, you did that requirement already. And the answer is no. Even though a person has Amun already, he has to still continue to do this because this is Nogea to our daily lives. That might have been, the last thing, that might have been the mistake of the Russia. Everyone asks, what's the difference between the Kasha of the Russia and the Kasha of the Chacham? We pounce on the Russia. The Russia says, we seem to be extremely harsh on the Russia. What is this? To you people? To you people? But not him. Fine. So we, we criticize him. The Chacham asked the same exact thing, as we've all known. We've been to many Siddharim. The Chacham asked the same thing. The Pasuk quotes it in Parshish Tvar and uh, that's the Chacham. That Kaddish Baruch Hu commanded you. He also says, Eschem, you. Why don't we pounce on the Chacham and say, Eschem, Eschem, you, but not me, you, you, but not him. 
What's the difference? So there are many explanations that are given between, there are many differences between the Kasha of the Chacham, you can look over here, Chafalf is the Kasha of the Chacham, uh, the Rasha and the Kasha of the Chacham, which is the Chaf, there are many differences between the two. But the Nitziv explains one fundamental difference between the two Kashas of the Chacham and the Rasha is that the Chacham asked a question. The Chacham said, Ki bin He's asking. The Rasha is not asking. The Rasha is arguing. He's telling me. He's telling me, what are you doing this for? What's his argument? Says the Nitziv, his argument is, this is a historical event. What are you celebrating? This is a history. This is the past. Why are you living in the past? Move on to the future. And what do we respond, says the Nitziv, to the Russia? We respond to him, You should break his teeth. What does that mean? Says the Nitziv, it means engage in a debate. There's no answers here. He didn't ask a question that we should provide an answer. He's debating us. He made a statement. So what do we say to him? Now we pounce. We say, you, know that these same things are happening now. It's not a historical event that happened in Yitzhak Mitzrayim happened one time. We tell the Russia this is happening now. That's why we pounce. We're not pouncing and we're being harsh. We're telling him, no, these things are happening to us. You don't think it happened to you, it happened to you too. These Nisim, this Starim, or for the Rambam, Baruch, who is orchestrating uh, things through Teva, whatever perspective you take, the same um, things that happen, the Tzitzis Mitzrayim, those same uh, experiences are happening to us nowadays as well. So that is the message that we're supposed to glean from re-experiencing Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim at the Lel HaSeder. Not that either for the Rambam, everything is Nisim, because there are many Kachas that are functioning in the world, everything is Nei, so for the Rambam, everything is Tevah, all there is is the Rebbe Shalom, one Kayach, and that's how Kaddish Baruch Hu chooses to express himself. We're supposed to come out, though, be Mechazek Aramuna, either that everything is a Nes Nistar, Kaddish Baruch Hu is controlling the world in that way, or Kaddish Baruch Hu is controlling the world through Teva. According to the Rambam, but that is uh, the Chizuk uh, and Amuna that we are supposed to derive from the Lela Seder is that it's not only something that happened thousands of years <coughs> ago, but it's happening now as well. Okay, thank you. Well, well, Shout out well, to everyone well, for coming. Well, 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 well.